We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka One and O. Cranjus McBasketball. How are you doing today, Tim? We had a big Lakers victory yesterday um, with uh, a lot to talk about over here uh, in Lakers land. Yeah, Tom, it was a good day. Uh, the Lakers won. Greek Jesus rose. I I, uh, I had a good one. I just had a Reese's egg, which I don't know if you're, you're onto this, but there are different kinds of Reese's things and some of them just taste better than others. Or maybe it's like a, a shape thing, but the Reese's eggs are fantastic. Um, and I've, I've derailed this podcast already, but I'm feeling good, Tom. And after a rewatch, I feel better. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's great. Yeah, I mean, likewise. Um, I saw some uh, things I saw live again in maybe a slightly different context. And I saw some things that uh, I do have a little bit of worries about, but I overall think the Lakers played a really solid game. Um, Not just the big performances from Rui and Austin, but, you know, outside of some bad turnovers, I thought LeBron looked more engaged on defense overall. Uh, he had some issues, you know, on in the post against Jaron Jackson, but overall good game from him. AD absolutely dominant after the, you know, mandatory AD injury scare, Tim. But let's dive into um, what we talked a little bit about quickly uh, before the ser- the game started with the jaw pick and rolls, what we saw there. So we saw Vanderbilt, right, start out on jaw. Um, he was chasing, you know, they were letting him get to the middle and AD was doing a great job at, you know, contesting early, you know, getting John made a, a great floater over him, but he wasn't able to get a, uh, a lane to the basket. You know, Lakers are going under some of his screens and I thought they played that aspect. Uh, that was one of the biggest parts of the Memphis offense really well. Yeah, absolutely. They held Jaw down really well. This was one of his worst games of the season when you look at a lot of the different areas for him. And that all starts with his pick and roll attack. There were times where Vanderbilt was kind of taken out by some screens, but AD did such a good job in the mostly high drop coverage. He had there were there were from a scoring possession standpoint, there were other times they ran this and then got nothing because AD did a great job. But when Jaws ball screens resulted in a shot, a turnover, or a free throw trip. Uh, like 80% of the time, AD was in the high drop once he was in deep drop. Um, and jaw pick and rolls were held to like half a point per possession, which between pick and rolls and in isolation, which would rank 58th of his 62 games this season, just so bad. Um, his average two-point shot attempt distance was 8.35 feet from the rim. That uh would be the third furthest of any game this season for him. So he was not getting to the rim. We saw, like you said, he he hit that tough loader, but he was needing to take jump shots and be a jump shooter. On the season, in half-court situations, 44% of his shots were at the rim, 33% of his shots were uh, jumpers, 22% were floaters. For this game, 64% of his shots were jumpers, almost double the normal number. 29% of his shots were at the rim. So yeah, he got to the rim a little bit, he had the sixth lowest uh, rim frequency of the whole year. His fourth, only four assist points, his fewest on the season, six turnovers, his fifth highest mark on the season. Like this guy was in hell, dude, against Vando and ISO. Reeves had him a little bit. Dennis had him a little bit. Um, but Anthony Davis was just absolutely outstanding. He played like it was a defensive player of the year type performance in game one from AD. And he yeah. didn't do it by himself, but he erased everything it seemed like in addition to literally erasing seven shots with blocks yeah and it was more shots that he contested that he didn't get blocks on too but we'll get into ad a little bit deeper um i just kind of wanted to hit on some of these quick ones up top with uh jaw pick and rolls there's also the jaron jackson post up uh which he played really well and i think the lakers 
Um, initially had a, a pretty slow rotation to doubling him. They weren't as aggressive. And with LeBron on him, um, he was able to get, you know, to his spot, be patient. I thought LeBron played physical, um, but wasn't um, disciplined. I think he gambled a bit trying to reach. And ultimately, Jackson was able to pivot and get some angles and wild kind of uh, floaters up, but he's skilled. He's that guy who can get those shots up now for them, and he's going to have to keep doing that. But uh, what did you see from the post defense on Jaron Jackson in the first one? It was certainly inconsistent. He th- this was actually Jaron Jackson Jr.'s. He had 15 points from post ups, including some some free throws. His highest mark of the whole season. His best game of the year was this game attacking. For the most part, mismatches in the post. And I, you know, Ruby can kind of hold his ground a little bit. LeBron can hold his ground a little bit, but they're smaller. Vando can kind of hold his ground. Like those guys are too small. And AD is able to play him 1v1 just fine. But whenever any of those other guys are on him, I need to see more focus in sending help and then better execution when the help does come. There were three plays that really stood out to me where the Lakers tried to send help. And they just didn't execute. There was once that, uh, gosh, Absolutely. hang on, let me let me pull up my notes just so I'm making sure I Rui get the right did combos. It. Rui came down and didn't close off the angle. He came down and um, let uh, Jackson split on a post spin. You know, you got to clean that up. And he was reaching and mm-hmm. got called for a foul. Yep. LeBron came down and didn't help baseline, even though Jackson spun middle. Uh, he was one-on-one on Rui. Rui was giving a baseline. Ron didn't come, you know, to baseline. To They're not maximizing. They're not executing to your point and closing these windows for him to be able to pivot and kind of bump into. Yeah, yeah. And as we covered pre-game, pre-series, Jackson wants to go middle from either block. And so it makes sense for the first defender on him to play him towards the middle. Have your, you know, your, your, your kind of feet are on the lane line. You are giving him the baseline spin, and that's where the help needs to come. If the help also comes middle, you've got two guys guarding one spot and nobody guarding the baseline spin, and he took advantage of that. There was the one time where Rui came, and he doubled. AD was also involved, but Rui kind of opened the door for the spin move and then fouled him. Um, There was a Rui-Braun play where, like I mentioned, Braun helped middle, uh, and that left space for Jackson to go Kind of actually for that one, there was a Vando Braun play where they both helped middle and they gave up baseline. The Rui Braun play, Rui was playing him straight up, not trying to take away the middle. And then Braun kind of cracked down on him, but didn't really wall up. They weren't next to each other. He was just close by and it gave enough room for Jackson to pivot and pivot and then just, you know, finish over with length at the rim. So if you're going to bring the two guys have one of them take baseline, have one of them take middle, and you kind of want their feet almost right next to each other. Like wall up, don't let him go in between you, and that should yield better results. So more consistent doubling. We didn't see it as frequently as I would have liked to see. There were too many 1v1 attempts. So more frequency, and then when it does happen, execute a little bit better. There was a time in the first half, I think it was Reeves, that dug down, and then there were rotations behind it. So when the kickout happened, somebody was there and Reeves was able to recover back over. That can work as well. But if you're going to send the double team baseline, you need to be able to cover each option, middle and baseline. Don't put two guys to one side or have the second defender just around, but not actually taking away a route. When you're the smaller players, you have to worry about uh, the length 
of Jackson able to get two spots and then just jump over you or finish at the rim. Um, so you, you need to get in his way. So a little bit of tweaking needed there. I wasn't the most pleased, but from a game plan standpoint, I was pleased that they at least were trying to double. It was just more execution cleanup, which I think is an easier thing to do. It's not like, oh man, Darvin Ham, go solve this puzzle. It's, we tried to do it. We know what we need to do. We need to do it a little bit more. We're going to do it a little bit better. So I feel fairly good about that. Tactical battle didn't play out the best. Thankfully, the team got the, the, the team result. But moving forward, I feel pretty good about it. Awesome. I mean, I feel like those are the two big ones. We talked a little about Bain as well, but he wasn't um, huge, I feel like, in this game. Made some deep threes. But I think the Lakers did well with, um, you know, playing him at the rim, forcing tough contested shots at the rim. Uh, they played over and kind of on a deep drop a couple times with AD, kind of worried more about uh, Jackson than some of those pull-ups from Bain. But we'll see how their offense uh, kind of changes now, Tim, with Woj and uh, I saw Mc, uh, Tim McMahon say it looks like Jaws probably going to miss game two and he's uncertain for the future. So. We're not sure what to expect. I think we'll probably talk about it as if Ja will not play, but you know, with the ex expectation he could return here, you know, anytime thereafter. I think Tim. Um, so digging in, I mean, overall, it was a good game. There were some tough stretches. Um, they opened the game, you know, getting good shots that they just weren't able to make, right, Tim? And they played great defense there in that first quarter. Had good stops. AD was a monster early. The scheme looked good with how they were playing Vando on, on jaw. And the shots started falling a little bit there toward the second half of the first quarter. And the Lakers were able to, to pull away um, with when LeBron, you know, went to the bench there too. So um, what do you think about that kind of, you know, that Rui first initial minutes when he came in, you know, I'm talking for end of first quarter. Uh, Oh man, I don't know that I remember. I don't know if I have takeaways from the specific stint. Uh, I know he had the real hot shooting in the third. I know in the second he made a couple defense or offensive mistakes, countering help that I was not happy with. What did you see from him in the first though? It's it's more than the the four threes that are getting all the pu the pub right now. It's the putbacks, right? He had like three offensive oh, right. rebounds yeah. at the end mm -hmm. of the first quarter and the beginning of the second. Um, he made some good defensive plays, breaking up uh some stuff so it's i don't know everyone's making a big deal about him hitting all these threes in a row he got to the free throw line tim he was getting out in transition um after defensive rebounds and the lakers looked like a team with their hair on fire kind of once he entered with that lineup there with um with lebron going to the bench and they played lebron for for Rui. so they had Rui, vando and ad on the court yeah, it was it was an interesting big group that is able to switch if it needs to. They've got some length, they've got some toughness. They're going to be really good on the boards. Yeah, that's an it's an interesting group to to have in when LeBron comes out of the game. I I don't mind it. I'd like to see a little bit more of it. All right, what do you want to move on to next, buddy? Um, I think one shout out I'd want to make is regarding Anthony Davis. He he was fantastic defensively i it like him versus jackson and the impact that they had on the game on that end was was stark um jackson very good player could very well win defensive play of the year i don't know if he will don't know if he played enough minutes but when we look at just them contesting and defending the rim ad 
held opponents to a field goal percentage, 14 percentage points lower than expectations. For reference, on the season, Jackson held opponents to 13% below expectations. So this was truly an excellent performance from AD. In addition, he had those seven blocks. Uh, the expected field goal percentage at the room against him was 64%. For Jackson, it was 70%. I think that speaks a bit to how he was coming and trying to help late more so than being the kind of like primary guy defending and drop or defending 1v1. But against Jackson at the rim, opponent shot 10 for 11. That's crazy. 91%. That's 21% above expectations. LA was hitting everything over Jackson. He did not look like the defensive player of the year. We saw Reeves drop him on that play late, driving to the rim for the scoop layup. So just if you flip the impact of those two players defensively, this game probably looks different, even with Jaw going down. So AD stepped up. He had that scare with the arm, but came back in that second half and was absolutely fantastic. Really good two-way game from him. Um, the, the numbers just on like total contests that include like jumpers. I'm not going to reference that. I know that's that's pretty much noise. Um, the stuff at the rim is really what you want to key in on. And that's where he really, really dominated. So good work from him. And we need that to continue moving forward, regardless of if Jaw is playing or not. Yeah. Uh dominant, dominant performance there from AD. Um I think that he was patient on offense and really just moved the, the move bodies around in the uh, offensive rebound game. Uh, he got a lot of deflections, balls he didn't get, but created 50-50 balls and other opportunities and stuff like that. Um, so hopefully he's okay after that shoulder stinger scare. Um, other can, question marks, I mean, we talked about job, but it's it's we'll put that in the bank for now, I think. Um, I think they had a good scheme against him, Tim. And I think it will leave it up to the Grizzlies uh, on on the chess move side for them to make an adjustment to set him up and up in some better ways if and when he comes back. Um, so what did you think about Braun? Uh, he had some tough stretches of, I think, decision making there. But I think it was um, partly miscommunications. Uh, and and the, the behind the back turnover is a really bad one. The behind the back bounce pass. He had a couple of... Um, just ill-advised skip passes, kind of wild. But I thought he ultimately settled down and had a good uh, good game, Tim. Yeah, he, he was able to finish the game hitting his threes, which was big. He had that one against uh, an under coverage in a ball screen. It was a pretty deep three, and he drilled it. He hit a couple catch-and-shoot threes where the defense was trying to stunt and contain a drive out of a ball screen. And then they just skipped the ball over to LeBron and he was able to take and make those shots, finish the game. I think three, yeah, three for eight on threes, but started off not shooting so well. So him being able to pick it up there was important. And uh, offensively, you know, very good decision maker in general, but yeah, there were those couple plays in that second quarter and this was really that that one stretch of the game where LA didn't look dominant. For the first, third, and fourth, the Lakers very much looked like the better team. They looked more prepared. They were executing better. In that second quarter, things fell apart a bit. And some of it was, you know, LA got good shots. Brown missed a layup at the rim. Um, D'Lo missed a pull-up mid-range jumper at like the free throw line that was pretty open. There, there were some shots that were missed that were good looks. I don't, I don't really mind what LA got. But then there were also a couple kind of havoc he plays. And then the LeBron behind the back, uh, Rui came up and set a screen. 
the defense, it was either a trap or shown recover. So LeBron tried to get the ball out quickly to Rui and he was anticipating Rui would be inside the three-point line. Rui, uh, or no, 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 I'm sorry. He passed it as if 80, as if Rui would be outside the three-point line, whereas Rui kind of took an extra couple steps inside the three-point line. So that was a turnover run out on the other end. And then there was the LeBron drive defense crashed and he kicked it out to Vando in the corner on the opposite side. Only Vando uh, realizing he's not the best three-point shooter. When his man left him, he cut also. So it just ended up being a bad pass out of bounds, I believe. So couple couple poor decisions here or there. But for the most part, I, I didn't mind it. He had to battle a little bit defensively as well. But if you can have, you know, an okay game from Braun and still do really well as a team, I think it uh, speaks to, you know, just the strength of this team and the fact that they had, I mean, they had what, four 20-point scores? It wasn't right. LeBron and AD need to dominate in order to for the team to do anything. You were able to make things happen with with guys like Reeves and Rui stepping up. He just still didn't quite have that lift to be able to elevate to kick out to the swing uh, skip pass. And so it's just, you know, he still looks like 80% or so to me. Uh, he did have an interception into a, you know, touchdown dunk, uh, run the ball through the goal line, you know, coast to coast play. But um, still like not feeling like 100% brawn worth considering. Um, but he was, you know, shooting a lot of threes there. They're going under. Uh, one and one for one in the pick and roll versus under. O for one in the pick and roll three, where he had two guys in his face. Two for five in catch and shoots. O for one pull up. He saw him miss the first couple, I think, and then he made a couple in a row there. Um, and yeah, I <clears throat> I think the three point shooting, which I guess we can we can kind of start talking about now, is such a big deal apparently on Twitter that uh, you know a guy can make five threes in a game that doesn't normally make five threes in a game. Uh, and then it won't happen again. And whether or not that's true is not as relevant to the discussion of what kind of shots the Lakers and the Grizzlies are getting for themselves, right, Tim? Um, the Lakers threes, just like the game started, you know, Grizzlies were up a couple buckets. Lakers got three good looks, missed them all. But there were three good looks. And Memphis's threes were coming from Sansi Aldama and Dylan Brooks and a couple from Bain, you know, they weren't the same quality of looks. Um, and I think that who is making the threes is less important than how they're being created. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who, like, I think, I think both matter. Like who's taking right, the right, threes? Right. What kinds of threes are they? It's not just like the three point conversation if it starts and ends at, well, Rui hit five threes and he usually doesn't. Okay, you're missing, you know, there's more happen. That's a result. We know three-point shooting is high variance. It's a low sample size. You're going to have games where you shoot 0 for 5. You're going to have games where you shoot 5 for 5 or 5 for 6 or 3 for 6, 2 for 6. That happens. And it was lucky for the Lakers that it happened in this game, but they were fairly high-quality shots. His expected three-point percentage was like 38%. So he obviously outperformed it. That's that's not – shouldn't be surprising. But process-wise, I thought the Lakers did a much better job in this game in a way that moving forward, I still feel good about the three-point shooting battle. Because to your point, a lot of the – a lot more of the threes for Memphis were coming from their bad shooters. 20 of their 36 attempts came from players who had D or F 
three-point shot making grades this season. So that's Dylan Brooks. That's Santi Aldama. That's John Morant. That's Jaron Jackson Jr. That's David Roddy. All of them this season, last season, Roddy's a rookie, but this season, last season for everybody else, they've been poor three-point shooters from a difficulty-adjusted shot-making standpoint. And they also didn't get great three-point shooting from their normal good shooters, five for 16 shooting from like Kennard, Jones, and uh, Bain. But when we look at the quality of their looks, it was lower than what they're usually getting. And I looked at each of those, those clips and Reeves did a great job chasing around screens and contesting shots. Uh, the Lakers made an adjustment in game to start top locking off screen looks and just taking away the staggers. And that removed a portion of the playbook for Memphis. So there was just really good contest rates. They were difficult threes. There were some in transition that were good. But Ellie did a really good job making the shots tougher than normal for the good shooters. And then, like, Memphis wasn't getting pick-and-roll kick-out threes. LA was playing everything 2v2, and we see this in John Morant's four total assist points, and we see it in the fact that Kennard and, and Bain, they're not able to even get these extra threes up. So that makes me feel good. On the Lakers' side, they still had 10 of their 37 threes from four three-point shooters, and they shot pretty well on their threes. but. When you just compare those two percentages process-wise, um, the Lakers had a much lower percentage of their, their threes. So 27% of the threes from the Lakers or attempts were from poor shooters, whereas 56% for the Grizzlies were from those poor shooters. So, you know, LA's picking who on Memphis is going to shoot. Memphis isn't getting to pick quite as well. And when they did pick, they got burnt with Rui. He got good looks. He made more than he usually does, but maybe that changes their approach moving forward. He was aggressive too. He wasn't just shooting threes, man. That was only half of his points, right? Five for six from three, mm-hmm. 29 points. He had what, like seven, eight, something like that, free throws, um, getting rebounds. He, he played a very strong game on both ends of the court, I think, uh, outside of a couple of defensive lapses, but it was not only those four, th- five threes, uh, four, those four threes and the timing of them was huge. That's maybe an uh, an anomaly as well, right? It doesn't always happen when you go five for six in a game where you have four in a row, but it did. And I wanted to put it out here, Tim, breaking news, JJJ won Defensive Player of the Year. So, you know, I hope he feels better today. I just saw that as well. Congratulations to him. I thought he was the best defensive player in the regular season. I just, his minutes weren't quite at the level that like his total aggregate impact was lower than Evan Mobley's. And so I think that was for me, at least that's who it was between. And it just, it's kind of a judgment call for people voting. How much do you think the minutes piece matters? Evidently he was that much better that the minutes gap didn't matter as much. Um, So congratulations to him. I love that for this Lakers series because that means 80 is just a little bit more motivated. And uh, you know, LA shot 10 for 11 at him on him at the rim. Let's go, you know, drop another 90, 90% on him in game two. Yeah, 10 for 11. Uh, what do teams usually shoot above him, uh, against him at the rim? It's pretty pretty good, right? It, it's, yeah, usually he's 13% below expectations when you go attack Jaron Jackson. The Lakers shot over 20% better in this game. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, we saw Rui and his weak dunk package dunk on Jaron Jackson. <laughs> uh-huh. No, that was funny post game. <laughs> there, there was some good stuff, man. This, this team's got some chemistry. They're having fun. 
it was they cool do. to see like Reeves getting into it, getting the mic dub. You know, I'm him, I'm him, yelling at the bench. Uh, LA had energy. They played well. They played focused in Memphis. And other than that stretch in the second quarter where quarter where you could feel the momentum going Memphis's way. And on the film, it was probably not as bad as it felt at the time. Like LA really did a good job keeping their composure throughout this game and didn't didn't let little runs here or there crack them. Guys like Reeves stepped up his first real test, Rui, his first real test. Like really, really good performances from a lot of dudes. Um, the Rui and Schroeder three-point shooting was something I had identified pre-game as like, hey, these might be the guys they help off of if they're going to send extra help on LeBron or AD. The, the role players need to hit their shots. And these guys went six for nine collectively. So that that's going to get it done. That'll work really well. We talked about the job pick and roll defense. We talked, talked about LeBron versus the unders. Something else that I thought would be important going into this game was how well the Lakers would counter whatever... Memphis did against Jared Vanderbilt as an offensive player. And I thought we saw some, some mixed results. I thought they did well with when they were running organized offense, they were running dribble pitches with him. He was screening for others on ball, off ball. That was good. When we look at like the matchup data though, John Morant and Jaron Jackson were the two guys that spent the most time guarding him for jaw. It was a way to hide and rest for Jackson. It was a way to allow him to, roam off and, and help elsewhere and we did see him still aggressively roam off and help elsewhere so continuing to punish that will be really important and if you do consider starting Rui instead of Vando I think the you know remove an option for them to roam off of or just rest against would be a big part of that like if if jaw does indeed play and then you start Rando uh, Rui over Vando John needs to defend somebody that can go, you know, drop some points on him. And it makes it makes it easier for the Lakers to attack those two guys or force them to defend and not be able to be extra like help defenders or taking plays off. So a consideration, I think there are pros and cons to starting Rui versus Vando. But from an approach standpoint, it was pretty clear what Memphis wanted to do. And they did a really good job from, you know, from their perspective, making the most of a non-scoring threat for the Lakers. And he didn't really, he didn't really score. He had that one nice flash from the opposite dunker spot super early in the game. It might've been that first play of the game post help defense um, counter. And then from there he had one other bucket. I don't even remember what it was. I mean, the threes were also like uh, the, they're good shooters, right? Bane it were more difficult shots than I think. Than, than he normally has. Um, it didn't seem like he had the space that he normally does. Um, like, did he have a lower quality than normal on his threes? So he did, yes. Uh, Kennard on only a couple shots was a little bit higher than normal. Two of his three attempts were in transition. But yeah, Bain was somebody that LA held down well. Reeves did a really good job chasing around screens. Schematically, they were top-locking him at, at one point. And they they did a really good job making him uncomfortable. If they can continue that moving forward, it'll be really important, especially if Ja is out or limited. So great, great start from the series and a key key area that sometimes is a really big boost for the Memphis offense. Yeah, Kennard had some good looks as well. Um, he made only one of them, but he he we got bailed out. Uh, he's going to shoot better. Uh, I think he was only one for three, right? Um, mm -hmm. but he had three really clean looks on the right wing. 
and uh, only one of them went in. Uh, so yeah. I expect some some positive regression there for some of, more of those guys, especially with a little bit more opportunity. Um, do you think, uh, I guess, just kind of transitioning to maybe speculating about what could happen next, do you think they just insert Tyus Jones into the starting lineup, or are they going to maybe go with a canard and put the ball in Bain's hands or something like that? I would expect them to start Jones based on what I've seen them do this year and how they like to operate. I do expect the like style of play to lean more heavily on Desmond Bain. I think they'll put him in ball screens more often. And and they have in the games where he's played, Jaw hasn't played, he gets more ball screen opportunities. And that could be a way for them to try to generate more offense. That is a guy where he can hit the pull-up threes. Maybe you have to put two on the ball, and then he can make the pocket pass. He's a good passer, and then they can look to attack 4v3. So if I were them, that's a way to try to kickstart the offense. Him on ball in those situations or just off ball being much more frequent with how often he is running off of screens rather than just like standing still. And him and Kennard need to be super active as handoff and off-screen guys if their offense is to get a boost. And then Jackson is somebody that you have to lean more heavily on his post game. LA needs to come into this next game with a stronger, more focused game plan to defend him. They kind of figured it out as the game went along. That's, you know, finished at a good spot, but they need to clean up that technique as we talked about earlier. So I, in terms of what does Memphis's offense look like if jaws out, I think it's more Bane, more Jackson, more Kennard, you know, if they're going to drop and go under Jones ball screens, like that's not going to do anything. So they need to make some adjustments in terms of like beating drop coverage, like stack action, the Spain pick and roll. That's not something they've used recently. They didn't use it last game. They used it their first play of the season. They've used it a little bit. Like they they used it pre uh, All-Star break. I didn't see much of it post All-Star break, but that would be a way to like, if we're going to try to get going with or without jaw, we need to find ways to get AD not defending the rim. And using that action to like screen him and kind of try to take him out of plays or generate open threes. Uh, I think that that would be a concept I would go to. And it's something that's in their playbook. They just haven't used it recently, but they've used it out of horns. They've used it out of the, the kind of Ram setup. So we know it's available. And I would expect that at some point here, it would be silly of them not to go to something like that because that's the kind of concept that would uh, counter what the Lakers have been doing with ball screens. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so in that case, then it's like equal and opposite reaction, right? Does Vando remain the starter? You kind of briefly mentioned it, um, but I think it's a good question to ask. He didn't match up particularly well against Jackson in, you know, one-on-one situations. I don't really think, you know, you're worried about Tillman. I think AD on Tillman's fine. Does this give uh, an opening for Rui to get some starting minutes? Or maybe even Troy Brown, who also had a pretty bad game. But I can see the argument there, at least. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think you could... If you stick Vando on, like, Jones, like, if Jaw's out and it's no longer we need this guy to be able to stick with with Jaw, but you still want Vando at the point of attack, I think the, the reasoning, the thought process would be to switch, I would imagine. Like, he's a switchier guy. This will allow us to switch things and load up on the paint. I can see that as an option. I think if you were to go that route, you 
I guess the downside is taking AD potentially away from the the rim. Whereas if you just continue to do the drop coverage thing, you kind of guarantee he's going to be at the rim if he's guarding Tillman or if he's guarding Jackson, he's going to be in the action most likely. Um, and then still able to be in dropping at the rim. So I, that's a route you could go. If jaw is out and you want to stick with the same starters, you could put D'Lo on Jones, keep Reeves on Bain. And then you've got like, you could stick LeBron on Brooks. If you wanted to start Rui, then you could stick him on Jackson and then AD on Tillman. And then I think that's a, that matches up pretty well. I think D'Lo is the guy you worry about matchup wise with the normal starters from Memphis, but with Jones in there instead of Ja, I think that's just fine. And then you continue to have really strong chase of defense from Reeves on Bain. And you continue to have AD able to defend the rim. And as long as you're sending help on Jackson post-ups, I think you're in pretty good shape. I think they'll probably keep Vando. I don't see them changing just because of something, you know, the other team's forced to do right now. I think they, well, even that uh, lineup, and for good reason, they've been pretty good. Um, but I do just worry yeah, a little bit about the complications it adds for you on offense when the positives maybe aren't as obvious on, on defense anymore. Um, and it's not even Rui's playing so great and making all these threes. I still have some concerns about his defense and putting him on Jackson straight away worries me a little bit, even though I know AD's, you know, done a great job at helping and, and mm-hmm. the scheme's been pretty good there in the first game one. Yeah. Another part of being worried about that matchup, and, and I think the same thing happens with LeBron, it would happen with Vando. If you've got like not Anthony Davis on Jackson and they stick Jackson in ball screens, I, like LeBron and drop isn't that's not the best situation to be in. Ideally, Jack, uh, ideally, AD is able to kind of roam off of whoever he's on and defend the rim as well, but. I, you know, either when LeBron's or when AD's not in the game or if AD is otherwise occupied with some sort of off-screen action that Tillman's setting a screen for or something, I don't like Rui and drop. I don't like LeBron and drop. And if I were Memphis, understanding that that's what the Lakers did in game one, another adjustment of mine would be go target those guys. Go get them in the action. Don't, you know, AD, we don't want you, you know, go stand in the corner. We don't want to pull you into the ball screen. Go go defend a canard down screen while we run a ball screen over here. That would be the kind of stuff to try to minimize the impact that AD would have on the game defensively. And then if they were to do that on the Lakers side, that's when I think you need to start switching and then loading up the paint. So potential point of emphasis for Memphis, potential Laker adjustment from there. The stack action is something. If um, another thing they could do to try to remove AD's rim protection is try to seal him when he's dropping. But that doesn't, they haven't done that much. And Jaws pacing out of ball screens where he just like shoots out of a cannon way ahead of his roll man doesn't really allow this to happen. But if he would operate a little bit more like D'Lo where he gets around the screen, get the guy in jail, take your time, allow your roll man to get downhill and then make a decision that could present opportunities for then Tillman or whoever to then just kind of stand in front of AD and seal him off. And then Ja goes to that side of the rim and uses that screen basically to get an uncontested look at the rim. So another potential counter, if they're looking at like, how do we get Ja going? How do we get attacks at the rim going? Jones, this would work with as well. Um, those would be things that they should be looking to do. Uh, in terms of some other counters that Memphis should be looking into, they got to do a better job against the top locking. 
They didn't face it all that much in the first half. In the second half, this was something the Lakers leaned a bit more on. And it took away the staggers. It took away the pin downs a bit. Or at the very least, it disrupted the flow and the, the advantage wasn't really there. They should try to do more where they start those guys under the rim and then running off a down screen up, you know, to the top of the key to catch and shoot or catch and get a handoff uh, from that guy. Or maybe they set a back screen for that big who's rolling to the rim and then they run up to the top of the key. Some variants like that, I think, could be useful. Or we saw I saw it once in the game. I think they should use it more if they're coming off of like, I don't know, a down screen on the left side of the court. That's top locks. Cut to the rim. If it's open, you know, hit the pass. If it's not open, have them continue cutting to the other side and run off a down screen on that end of the court because you can't really top lock both sides of the court. You kind of have to pick one and then you're behind for the other side. So potential things they could do as the Lakers, you just kind of have to deal with that as it as it happens. I think if they do do that, you're still, you know, chewing clock. But at the end of the day, there are ways they could try to get Kennard and Bain going a little bit more with off-screen looks and handoffs because out of ball screens, it's just not coming. The spot-ups aren't going to be there other than in transition as long as the Lakers are able to play these actions to be too. So that's some of what we might see from Memphis. Not feeling bad as the Lakers. And I think there's nothing I just talked about where you're like, oh no, this is going to kill us. We don't have an adjustment from here. But if you are the Lakers right now, you should be trying to plan ahead. I don't want to see the Lakers go into game two, just do everything they did in game one. But Memphis came in with a different game plan and then the Lakers don't adjust until the second half. I want them to go into quarter one saying, hey, if we see, I don't know, if we see them trying to put LeBron and Rui in ball screens a lot, here's what we're going to do and figure that out when you're not in Memphis, when the crowd's not screaming at you, when you don't have two and a half minutes during a timeout or 60 seconds or whatever it is. Like, Do that when you're chilling in the hotel doing a walkthrough in a ballroom or something with tape on the ground or going through shoot around in the in the arena. Like, Take the emotion out of the moment, think it through, workshop it. You can get the coaches involved, the players involved. Hey, what if they do this? What would we do? I think is where you want to try to play chess a little bit more. And, and part of chess is, you know, doing that work ahead of time so that when it happens in the moment, you're ready for it. You've already thought all of the scenarios out and you can make the right decision really quick. All right, Tim, let's take a quick break here. And uh, on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about what the Lakers can clean up and uh, looking ahead a little bit. All right, Tim, speaking of top locks, the very short stint that Malik Beasley had, and they were trying to run some of that, was that double drag Oklahoma? Um, mm -hmm. They were top locking him a couple plays in a row. Uh, he had that back door open. Shooter missed it. I mean, I don't blame it. It was, it was a tough pass, but um, it feels like he was pretty much a non-factor in the game, for better or worse. Wasn't terrible on defense. Um, didn't totally make an impact at all you know but he didn't make a shot uh, he didn't make a three right it was troy brown was the one who banked in the three yeah yes yep <laughs> which was glorious but um yeah talking i guess a little bit about some of the adjustments do we are we going to shrink beasley out i don't know how i don't know if he makes it in this series yeah, I don't know. So the Lakers played five guys like starter minutes. And one of those guys was Rui, who wasn't a starter. And then Vando, Brown, and Schroeder played, you know, role player minutes. And then there was Beasley, who only played like 10. 
So he was he was the last guy in the rotation. Defensively, he was guarding Kennard. He was guarding Tyus Jones. He was fine. They weren't really attacking him. I think if he continues to play, they could look to attack him, but they didn't. So not all that worried there. Offensively, didn't hit a three. Wasn't having an impact. If he's not hitting threes, he doesn't have an impact offensively. I mean, he's able to space the floor. If they run actions with him, you have to defend them. Uh, I don't care if he's 0 for 2 on that day. You still have to defend his pin downs and stuff like that. But to your point, they did game plan well. They took away that double drag Oklahoma set, top locking him. I think that could open up other things. We haven't seen the Lakers deal with this or need to counter this. Frankly, we haven't seen Memphis do this much this year. This was abnormal for them, but it was smart. Um, But if you did want to cut him from the rotation, I don't think it would be the the hardest thing to do. You you need 10 more minutes between Schroeder, who played 20, and then probably Reeves, who played like 31. I think you can easily give, you know, Schroeder all 10 of those or eight of those 10. Like, you can make this happen because as long as D'Lo, Dennis, and Reeves are playing well, you're fine from a guard rotation standpoint, as long as those guys are able to play big minutes. And then Brown will take up a couple of those as well. So it's possible if they do attack him on defense, I wouldn't have a problem if he, you know, plays one stint in a game and that's it. Uh, He did play two, weren't long, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was okay. I, I Like at some point here, if he can get going, that'd be great. But the ways in which the Lakers have gotten him going are ways that Memphis is just top locking. So he can stand in the corner, hit catch and shoot threes. Not, not bad, not a problem, but lower impact than when he's able to do the off screen stuff. I'm just less convinced long-term he's going to be able to be fine on defense. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially considering it's becoming a game of adjustments, you know, every, every second um, in this series. Um, How did you think, uh, the Lakers did. I don't think they went to AD a ton in the post, and there wasn't a ton of kind of counters out of it. But what did you think out of the the help beaters uh, there, Tim? So initially, like I think it was again, I think it was the first play of the game, second play of the game. There was the AD post up, baseline help came, and then Vando flashed from the opposite dunker spot. And it was like this is perfect. The Lakers are ready. They got the game plan. This is great. They had a couple cuts like that that were successful. And then Memphis made an adjustment to instead of having guys around the paint, leaving that space in the middle, they actually had guys like in the middle of the paint, like in front of the restricted area. So if you're cutting, you're cutting into a guy who's there. That doesn't work. And to the Lakers credit, they made an adjustment and they started setting pin in flare screens instead. And I thought from my perspective and watching live, I didn't notice as many because they weren't used. Once I rewatched the film, I actually thought the Lakers did a pretty good job of setting those flares. The thing was, we just didn't see AD use them. Like, AD wasn't making the passes. He needs to, I think the approach schematically, tactically, it was good. AD himself needs to see that better because those looks were there. He, Rui specifically, did a really good job in the second half, setting screens, really keeping that defender into the paint. So if the skip pass went over, it was going to be an open three. We just we just didn't see that uh, utilized. There was a stretch in the second quarter where I thought the execution was poor. Uh, Rui, again, was slow. He was slow to cut on one play. And then once the adjustment was made by Memphis and cutting was no longer the way to go, he was slow to set those flares. And we saw that result in two poor possessions for the Lakers. To his credit, to the coaching staff's credit, they cleaned that up. In the second half, it was much better. 
but but not to I mean to uh not to pile on AD, but he didn't use what was there. So it's got to just be 80. Here's the film. This is, you know, look, here's six plays where we had an open three. Just make sure you look for it. If there's two guys on you and it's not coming from right in front of you, if it's coming from the baseline, we know we're going to have one of these cutters or these shooters open. Just face up and find it. So, again, I think it's more cleanup than we need to solve, you know, a calculus equation and try to, you know, do something super challenging. So that, you know, it could have been better in the game. AD could have been better. But I think moving forward, I feel better about it, just like I do with the post defense. Um, It's just a matter of execution and technique. And those uh, pin and flare screens you can use in the pick and roll, right? When they're zoning up behind the action, um, you can move those guys that are on the weak side kind of spreading and and move one down to kind of give that extra time to skip that pass over the top. so there's some other things the Lakers can do, but overall I think they're getting mostly shots that they like, um, and Memphis isn't really forcing them into uh, – outside of their couple possessions in the beginning of the second, I think Dennis and LeBron uh, you know, took some shots that I think Memphis is thrilled by, uh, long twos, threes, you know, early shot clock possessions, and I would like to see them get a little bit deeper into their – playbook there tim instead of kind of relying on freelance this deep into the 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 playoffs but even though we just started freelance right now is just like unless you have an advantage this is not the time and place you know there's too much too few uh, and precious a possession but um Mm -hmm. yeah that's not how basketball works is it but there are still some things lakers can do to uh maintain and keep the advantage right tim yeah absolutely and i think you know, looking at these areas in terms of how they were coaching it in the post on each end of the court, they did a pretty good job. They can clean up the execution with the ball screen offense. I thought they did a good job, like attacking coverages with like the players involved in the action, but it was the rotations behind it that caught the Lakers off guard a little bit. At one point in the game, Memphis made an adjustment and they started doing a little bit more like zoning up and the same reads weren't there. Like there was one play where towards the end of, I think it was like the last play of the second quarter. Remember when Rui got the roll and then he just kind of, he jumped and traveled like jaw was vertical. Rui jumped, didn't try to shoot, didn't try to pass. He just jumped and then landed. It was a really bizarre possession on that play. Memphis had been switching. So the Lakers called their spread step seal play where they had a step up ball screen. Rui got the inside position on his new defender. LeBron hit him on the roll. But then Memphis was in like a zone defense behind the initial action and that completely caught Rui off guard. This was the first time we saw it all game. So I don't blame all blame him all that much now after watching the film, but I think you got to be ready for that. And just to your point, Tom, you can use help beaters like cuts and flares in ball screens. It doesn't have to be a post up or an ISO. Anytime you just have those guys hanging out and chilling as spot up shooters, that makes it easier for the defense to send help and be more, be more aggressive. And unless you're running organized actions or help beaters, you're allowing the defense to have that upper hand potentially. So, you know, got to recognize it in the moment in a way, these are more like automatics where it's like, Oh, they're helping. That means we need to go do this. It's not as much a point guard calling out a play or set or a head coach calling out a play. So that in-game recognition will matter. Um, and the execution does as well. So, I hope to see a little bit of cleaning up there, but I don't know, man. I I think we've talked about a a lot of what I wanted to talk about. This is, you know, if Jaws out, 
the Lakers need to go out here and kick butt. You you can't yeah. take your time. You can't. I remember in that Phoenix series a couple of years back, like Chris Paul was injured or playing injured and the Lakers weren't able to win the games and they let opportunities slip by. And then later in the series, he was fine. And Memphis came back or uh, Phoenix came back and, and kicked the Lakers butts. You need to win every game you possibly can. And just, you know, keep the, the pedal all the way down, keep pushing, kick their butts, do everything you possibly can keep playing smart and then get to the second round. Don't give jaw, you know, seven games to get right. Yeah. McManaman said they've been using a phrase, uh, get greedy in their recent, um, tribulations trying to stay, you know, stay up to what's the ambitious, you know, trying to win as much as you can take everything that you can, which is mm-hmm. a good attitude to have in the postseason. Um, taking the heart out of a home team with two wins in their house after they went 35 and six on the regular season at home. It's pretty impressive. Granted, you know, they don't have Adams, they don't have Clark, but they didn't have those guys for a lot of those home wins. So uh, Lakers are in a great position here, Tim. I think um, we mentioned it before. It's going to be even more important to figure out your scheme and your uh, adjustments on Jaron Jackson post-ups and figuring out how to play him. Um, I wonder if they wanted to hide it and kind of slow play it because they didn't double it all early, right? They weren't helping at all. And whether it was LeBron or Rui um, or, you know, or AD, they were just letting him go. And I don't know. I think he can do a little bit better there. But overall, Tim, I think we touched on most everything. Um, we're going to be, I'm going to be able to, this is going to suck, but I'm going to be able to stream like the first three and a half quarters okay. of the next game. So I don't know. Anything else you want to, you want to touch on before we get out of here, bud? Yeah. A couple, uh, last things that I forgot to mention something that the Lakers, I think probably slow played a little bit is the inverted ball screen game with LeBron. They used it a little bit. They probably could have used it more, and I think they might use it more as the series progresses. Just him calling someone up, hey, come set a ball screen for me. Pick a pick a mismatch, or if they're showing and recovering, look to hit the short roll. We saw him do it with Rui a couple times, including on that play where he made the behind-the-back pass that didn't connect. Rui's not the best short roll playmaker of many of the options the team has. So, you know, call Reeves, call D'Lo, call Brown, call Vando. Those guys are better short roll playmakers. I like to see a little bit more of that. I think that's something LA has, they can use. They just haven't used as much Um, defensively. In addition to what we've spoken about, AD can be more aggressive in helping off of Tillman. He's not going to shoot those threes, like leave them. It's okay. Um, There were times where Tillman stood in the corner and AD stood in the corner with him and the Grizzlies were able to attack the rim. So get greedy in terms of that help defense. So I think that's something he can probably do. And then, if Jaw still is playing and he is, you know, you still have to game plan for him. I don't know that I would switch up Vando on him. AD did a good enough job as a rim protector that you were kind of able to overcome the pick and roll, him dying on screens a little bit. And then in ISO, he was really good. Um, but if you wanted to, for more screen navigation, you could go with Schroeder or you could go with Reeves on him when they're in the game together with Vando. So a couple different options. But regardless, the Lakers are in a really good spot here. They've got just a couple things to clean up and maybe refine the rotation a little bit here or there. And then it's really about anticipating what Memphis will be doing. 
And, you know, Memphis probably won't get killed in drop coverage against Reeves again. They're going to realize on the season, on the regular season, he, uh, Austin Reeves ball screens against an over and drop coverage were more effective than every single other on-ball guard in the league other than Luka Doncic. Like, you can't just drop against Reeves. Uh, that sort of stuff, I expect them to have figured out and be sharper. And then you just have to match the intensity. Win this game, you got time off between this game and the next one. Uh, and, and then moving forward from there, it's short rest between games. So get that 2-0, be greedy, win both on the road, and then you're well, well on your way to... Uh, that second round matchup and I can start scouting Sacramento and Golden State a little bit. We, uh, yeah, it's so funny, Tim. There's so much to talk about. We barely even touched on Austin Reeves at all, but why, why should we? I mean, he's him. What else is there to say? That's really, it just says it all, doesn't it? He is him. That's it. He's him. He was fantastic. The behind the back pass he made driving baseline to the kick out three on the money was absurd. Like an insane amount of sauce then moments later crossing, not, I don't know if he crossed him up, just getting Jaron Jackson on his butt to then go and finish at the, the rim with the scoop layup. He hit the pull-up three against the under. He hit pull-up mid-range shots. He was absolutely fantastic offensively. And then while doing all that, on the other end of the court defensively, he was locking down Desmond Bain. He did a pretty good job on Ja when he was on him a little bit. Like, a really, really good job from Austin Reeves. He's been fantastic. I was anticipating he would play well in terms of like, you know, foul drawing has been a part of his game, but he's also making a lot of these shots. It's not like throwing junk up once he gets the foul. So I was like, okay, well, if he doesn't get the foul on the contact, he's still putting up real looks. So he'll, he's not going to look stupid out there throwing up garbage shots, but uh, he really did well, man. He's ready. He's ready for the moment. He's going to get paid. Uh, so it was, Really fun to see him show out like that. Yeah, it's great. Hopefully we see more of it, but in an unironic way, it's people are <laughs> discovering who Austin is, and uh, it's not just Laker fans now. They're like, hey, this guy's actually good. Yeah, yeah. I'm tr- trying to say. Um, but Tim, I think that's a good place to, to leave it for now. We'll put out so much content, I wanted to say. Uh, over the weekend, we did put out a Memphis in, uh, offense and defense kind of scouting report. That's still pretty, you know, evergreen. Uh, they might be without job, but you can still go back and listen to it. Uh, Tim put in a lot of work and scouting the team and um, scouting what LA can do against them on on offense. So go back and listen to those if you're interested. Tim, um, as always, shoot us a five star review with uh, a podcast player of your choice. We'll get you into that Discord and follow us on Playback at playback.tv/LakersWatchParty. And uh, come join in on the game with us, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bunch of fun. We had a bunch of people in there being able to celebrate together, you know, get upset together when we thought AD was going to, when he was hurt, um, be able to call out live. Here's what's happening. Here's what the Lakers are doing. Here's why Memphis is doing what they're doing. You know, here's the adjustment they made. Here's what the Lakers need to do next. And thus far, it's been, it's been pretty solid. So Hopefully that's been an enjoyable experience for folks I, with, with how much it's growing and growing. I'm, you know, early response is good. So get in there if you haven't already. It's free. I know some folks don't have a subscription that they can type in and be able to sync up and watch it with us. But you can still listen to the audio and then watch on your big screen TV at home if you if you don't have a sub that you can authenticate with. So check that out. As Tom said, get into the Discord. 
you can DM him, me, or the podcast account, a five-star review of the pod, or check out the link in my bio for more info on getting in and the various levels within it. Want to shout out friends of the podcast, TJ Timotaji, Zach Harris, QDadio, iPod Shuffle, Miguel, T. Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abdul Rahman, Keneal Mason, Doppel, and Romario, all for living the high life with us in the owner's box. Shout out to the courtside crew, the lower bowl crews as well. After this, I'm going to record a bonus pod. I have my, I, we, I took all the questions, some hot topics, didn't discuss them on this pod. If you want to, you know, you have other questions, you want to hear the responses to get in that lower bowl tier or any of the ones above it. And you, then you can get that extra access, be asking those questions, get those deep dive podcast responses. So I need to get going, Tom, because I got to go give the folks some extra content. But again, Love DM it. us a five-star review of the pod. Um, yeah, go got to go talk to my best friends, Tom. I got to, you know, get out of here with these losers that aren't paying me five bucks a month. Um, no, check it out. It's it's fun. It's it's good to, it's content season. And uh, yes, there's, sir. there's plenty of basketball to be talked about. So keep an eye out for the watch parties, more pods, bonus pods if you have access, spaces, streams, all that good stuff. We, we, we've got more content coming. All right, let's go Lakers. Talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.